What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Mr. J. Babas, what's going on, brother? Come on, I need, I need a little bit more energy than that. Mr. J. Babas, what's <laughs> going on, brother? JTG! What up? What up? What up? What up? What's up? our first episode of 2024. Happy New Year. To it's you. Yeah. Yeah, by the time people hear this, it's definitely going to be January. Yeah, it's going to be January. It's literally. January 1st. (laughs) Crazy, man. I mean, uh, we took a little bit of a sabbatical. Yeah, which was very needed. I didn't realize it, but it's always good to take a couple of weeks off, man. Get rejuvenated, get rested. You know how the TV shows, they they don't go on all year long. You know, they go on for a season. You know what I'm saying? And we definitely record three now. Exactly. We recorded enough episodes to be syndicated. (laughs) (laughs) And the reruns going on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man with that being said uh what was your or uh, what is your giant gratitude um my, my giant gratitude is rest and relaxation mm. I, I for so long i've like my whole life i've taken rest and relaxation for granted i didn't see the power and the importance of it yeah you know we grew up in a culture and a religion that says you know equals to rest one day out of the week that's sabbath right. but um it was just something I did, but now I'm realizing, yo, like rest and relaxation, it really helps you to refocus, mm-hmm. make the main thing the main thing, mm-hmm. put everything into perspective, mm-hmm. and really just align your life in a way that you want it to be aligned because it's so easy to veer off, you know. You just mm-hmm. little things happen throughout the course of life, you just start to veer off. So the rest and relaxation really helps you put things back in the framework where you originally wanted to. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. No, that that's, that's really good. I mean, just thinking about what you're saying, especially since we do come from a religion that the whole foundation of it is resting on the Sabbath, well, right? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. But I realized how much, at least in my life, I didn't rest. Yeah. We were, we were talking about that, right? Talking about how much time we gave to, um, just being in attendance in the church, but then just looking at my life in general, like, man, I probably average five, six hours of sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on a regular, especially the last, in my adult years, especially, right? And it's like, as much as I can function with five, six hours, how it's not really healthy, right? But how we, yeah. how I've guilted myself and I beat myself up so much considering myself lazy when I got an eight hour, nine hour, you know, that's, rest. That's, that's wild, bro. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> How many of us do that where we're like, oh my gosh, you know, people are so weary to oversleep, but they don't realize you oversleep because of your lack of sleep. Exactly. 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 We're not getting enough rest, bro. Like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we're not shutting our, we're not shutting our lives down. It's kind of like with the phone. 
It's like we never want our phone to die, but you have, it's actually good when you allow your phone to die. When you allow whatever your phone, your laptop, it's always good to just let those things just rest. Like don't use them. Like shut everything down. Take off all the apps. Everything just shut it down. But man, it's, it's, it's a fight, man, in the society that we live in. Correct, correct, and. You know, my giant gratitude going into 2024, this is going to be my theme for the whole year, right? Is making the main thing the main thing. And that is something that I'm going to live or die by because so many times in my life, I've gotten distracted or I've wasted energy in dealing with stuff that doesn't even matter. Yeah. Right? Trying to control narratives, decisions, people, things that are I can't even control. Right? So moving forward, I'm making the main thing the main thing. I don't need nobody to send me no long screenshot texts. I don't need I don't need to be in the details of other people's business. Hmm. I don't need to be worrying about what two and three days from now looks like mm. I'm going to be present and make the main thing the main thing. If you're not in front of my face, if you don't have my attention right then and there, I'm not worried about it. Out of sight, out of mind. Straight up. Out of my mind. Standing on business. <laughs> don't waste my time. Exactly. Because I'm on the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Now, talking and about being on the grip. Yeah, exactly. You look, you look at how all that light. Is. That boy got the Hollywood light in the back there. Look at her. Yeah, that light bright. That's why I got out of the shades. That light bright as hell. Like bright, for real. Now, talking about the grind. Now, we're going into the second half of the NBA season. Mm, just about, right. yeah. Just about. And to let everyone know, great point you brought up about us taking those couple weeks off and reassessing, resetting getting in more realignment. And we did a NBA segment every week, which was cool. Um, but we had to listen to our bodies, listen to our audience, you know, looking at it. We're like, okay, we can start to instill the NBA segment into our main, uh, you know, episode every week, right? Yeah, we can yeah. make it a segment. So not to confuse anybody, but we're going to start to shift that into that um, and just to give more people of that mindset um, different intangibles that we see uh, within the NBA season. So, with all that being said, what you, what you, you know, what stands out to you? What, what are some of the, the the different things that stood out to you this uh, last two three weeks of the NBA season with the in season tournament? The in season tournament, man, it was it's it's you know it's new. Um, you know, anything new is always weird to start mm -hmm. off. But it was a you know you need that you need to like you know infuse something in you know to kind of like give it a a joke or whatnot. Right. The thing, man, yo, the way I saw LeBron amp that thing up for the in-season tournament, like they they won all the in-season tournament games. Like I think it's seven or eight and zero. Yeah, I was like, man, that he really wanted to win that thing. But the thing that impressed me the most, yes, was the matchup between him and Zion. Mm. Yo, he made Zion look like a child. Straight sunning him. <laughs> yes, like they're like literally it was as if he's in the NBA and LeBron is and, 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 and Zion is a high school player. That's what it looked like. 
And I'm like, yo, you 38 years old, scratching 39, Zion mm-hmm. only about 23, 24 years old. It just shows like hard work, dedication, preparation, focus, intentionality, all those intangibles. And of course, LeBron, you know, he's always kept his body in tip top shape. He, the mm-hmm. way he was running circles around Zion, it was, man, it was like, oh, like, it just showed a lot. Like, you can't just go get to a certain level thinking that your talent, your charisma, is going to think is going to be the thing that's going to take you and keep you to the top. Yeah. Like now you're in a league with the best of the best and you have to find every single edge and the edge is really doing the mundane things. Right. Taking care of everybody, eating right, exercising, like doing the things that honestly nobody's gonna tell you to do. Like you have to have self accountability and do those things. So that was the thing that I was like, man, that that shocked the hell out of me. I was like, I know LeBron was raw, mm-hmm. but I got a whole lot more respect for him. But I was like, dang, this nigga could turn it on anytime he wants. That's that's kind of scary, guy. It is. I think he definitely plays Aaliyah in the locker room. AJ, nothing but a number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, to you kid. Got thirty nine out here looking like Dr. J, like it's no. in his prime, which is vibing. And, you know, you bring up a lot of great points. One of the things that really stood out stood out to me, and, and look, you, you're really good at this, um, and I think it, it has a lot to do with your upbringing and what you've been through in life, but talking about doing the mundane things, LeBron has made a lot of decisions early on in his life that benefited him later on. Today, And that's yeah. very hard. I struggle with that. I struggle mm-hmm. with making the boring, the less exciting, the more strategic decision today for the long-term better result later. So if you can walk through, like, what is your process for that? Because I see that's a skill set that you're very good at. Um, well, for me, it's, I, I just don't, it's not about feelings. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ultra principle driven. Like, I was just having a conversation with my wife the other day. It's like, Yo, I, for me, like, doing the mundane things, I understand that that's what's going to give me results. Mm-hmm. The results that I want is going to affect my bottom line. And that in itself is my dopamine high. Yeah. Versus other people, most people have to infuse some type of fun in what they're doing. If it doesn't feel fun, if it doesn't feel exciting, then they taper off. Yeah. Because that's where the dopamine hit comes from, like the feeling. And for me, you know, like you said, my upbringing plays a major role in it. It's like, yo, I've been hurt so many times as a child. Like, the father abandoned my mother, mother abandoned, neglecting me, grandmother neglecting me. It's like, I had to say, and I know a lot of men can relate to this, I had to shut my feelings off. Mm. I had to shut them down. <laughs> like, I can't keep feeling sad like this. I can't be feeling depressed like this. I can't be feeling this overwhelmingly sense of like, abandonment it's not working for me so i just shut my feelings down i became very stoic and that helps me do the mundane things wow wow you know for me and this is a testament to when we play ball you always tell me because you know there's times where i've tried to force plays and you're like jerry just take that half a second like just breathe and i've noticed that because i'm a type of person i I like that dopamine hit 
I like the I like to have fun. I like the reward that comes with it, and that makes me s- more subject to uh, immediate. What do they call that? Gratification. Right. Say it again. Gratification. Immediate gratification. Immediate gratification. Right. Yeah. That makes me more prone to it because yeah. of just the type of person that I am. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed not only in basketball but just in life. Now, I'm like, take a half a second, breathe. Like, think through this just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What is really going to happen if you make this decision or if you decide to make this move? And it's really been helping me to, like, slow things down and, and make a good decision for the long term. All right. So thank you for that. Um, and then when you're talking about shutting off your I could as a man, I could definitely relate to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That compartmentalization, you know, my poker face, my nonchalantness is me shutting off my feelings yeah. and using more of my logical side to explain or to, to make a decision. Yeah. But can you talk about the, the bad, the negative side of that? Like it, how did you know when to turn it back on? When I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school, to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, people always ask me, how did I do it? If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, Please feel free to leave me a rating and review. Well, even before I get into that, okay, I just want to tell you, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I want to thank Mark. Mm-hmm. I want to thank my wife. I want to thank you guys because you guys, and because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, that's what I do. I study life mm-hmm. myself, people around me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo. And there's other people I could name too, but you're the three that really come to mind. I'm like, you mm-hmm. guys taught me how to loosen up and just just enjoy myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because that's also a part of the longevity of whatever you're doing. Right. Like, you can't just always, you can't be a robot. I, I try to. But we, <laughs> and as men, I feel like we all try to be stoic, be about business. and But it's like, you can't always be, that's not human. Mm-hmm. I was just on a totally, you know, with my OCPD, I was on a whole other extreme. Right. But I've learned from you guys, like, if I really want to last long, if I really want to have good memories, if I really want to have a, if I want to have a more rich experience, I have to learn how to have fun in my way. Yeah. And I'm learning that now. Right. Um, and, but and I, I guess that was segueing into the negative. It's like, right. yo, I just be so not even disconnected from people. Forget I so disconnected from myself. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. stuck on the mundane. Like, yo, it's like I don't nurture parts of myself. And the parts I don't nurture of myself is literally my inner child. Because what a lot of us don't understand is that when you are infusing fun, relaxation, rejuvenation, creativity in your life as an adult, that's you really, you're nurturing that inner child. That inner mm. child never leaves. That's the foundation of who you are as a person. Why you think, as men, we love sports so much? We love ball so much because 
that was the thing. That's how we first started to learn, or one of the first things we started to learn on how to have fun. Why do you think boys like to ring so much? Because we watch Martin, Jamie Foxx, Fresh Prince. Like, we watch these shows. Like, these are the inceptions of who we are, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, I would say the foundation of who we are from the inception of us right. as uh, human beings. And I've learned over time, like, yo, I can't abandon that part of me because it's actually hurting me in the long run than helping me. Right. And and it's funny because in one token, you're talking about how iron sharpens iron based, yeah. based on, you know, us three helping you understand. But it, it also works the other way, right? Like we softened you up as well. For, right? for sure. I want you to understand life and, and things of that nature. And there's no... I think a lot of us, we just look at life so linear. We, we like, there has to be one way you have to do it, right? Especially yeah. being Haitian. No, <laughs> it's the one way. Is it, is it, is it way? Don't stop. It's not one way. Like, it's okay. Like, we can do it this way this time, and then we can switch it up and do it another way another yeah. time, right? Yeah. And there was one more thing you said about the in-season tournament in the NBA. It was change. And yeah. how sometimes switching it up is very important, not only in the game, but just in life. Yeah. And how it feels weird. And I want you to touch on the importance of change in life. Man. I mean, we're going into 2024, right? Mm-hmm. There's always this thing like, oh, every time the New Year is about to start, it's instinctual. Everyone is trying to make a change. Yes. It's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what it is, but everybody's trying to make a change in the new year because one, this is the time of year where we actually slow down a little bit. Yeah. So now when you slow down, you're (laughs) able to reflect. Yeah. And then you look at the beginning of the year, be like, oh man, I set these goals, whether it is weight loss goals, career goals, relationship goals, whatever it is, we set these goals and we look back, we're like, oh man, I didn't hit it. So then now we go into the new year, we're like, all right, you know, I want to, you know, I want to change some things up. And the thing what a lot of us don't realize is that the intent to change, the intent to change is strong. Right. However, the will, the desire to change is totally two different things mm. from the intent. Wow. So we want to change because we want better. And that's the thing. We want better. We we feel as if we deserve better. We want more. We want better. So, you know, we get on that train. Mm -hmm. Man, it's it's like the brain, when you start to actively take steps to change, the brain is going to fight against it. Because, hey, Mm -hmm. bro, we've been doing this for so long. It's been working for us. What the hell are you doing? Right. Hundred percent, and we've talked about that in other episodes, right? The difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, right? Yeah. So that definitely you're talking about that war within, but so getting right into it, right? Talking about change, 2024, right? Famous line: "It's gonna be all over Instagram, whether we like it or not." New year, new me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So annoying, right? And I. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, it, it it annoys me at the fact that I naturally am thinking about 
a new version of myself, right? Yeah. I have all these goals and different strategies. That I ain't even write down they in my head, like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. You know, I got yeah. a rap brain, right? But I think based on our conversations that we've been having and how we're setting up the giant fundamentals for 2024, I think we realize it's a new year, but an old me, mm-hmm. right? So if you can talk about, especially in the last month for you, how you felt like you were losing yourself, losing who you are at the core of you, but then you realized when you slowed down, when you really took a, 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 a snapshot of yourself, you was like, oh, I'm really just becoming who I really am. Man, that's that's a, that's a loaded question. Loaded. Loaded. <laughs> I, let me start off by saying this. Mm-hmm. As you're talking, and we're, you were talking about going into new year, new year, new me, I realized that something that both of us have been doing literally like the last two years, it's as if every week is starting a new year for us. <laughs> Bruh. You ain't I, lying. I, I need to really break it down so the audience can understand. And it just clicked in my mind. Mm. We haven't been waiting for the ball to drop. We haven't been waiting for January 1st, 2021, 22, 23, 24 to come for mm-hmm. us to make seismic changes in our lives. Correct. And the seismic changes are not even seismic in nature. Mm. It's more so of an awareness, a realization and then it starts with a small little shift. Like, okay, yeah, yeah I realized that in a lot of my relationships, right? Let, let me just, boom, perfect example. Earlier this year in May, when I had my mental and emotional breakdown, mm-hmm. I realized that in my relationships, a lot of my relationships, there is a codependency there. Mm. So now for the audience that don't understand what codependency is, you can go back to the last episode. I kind of broke it down a little bit. Codependency is when it's like in the relationship, there is an an unhealthy balance where you have two insecure people coming together that kind of like need each other to survive. So it's like it happens in relationships all the time, like romantic relationships where it's like one person just latches onto the other like, oh, I need you this, I need you that. And like kind of like a bugaboo type thing, right? But then the other person feeds off that because they need a person like that to feel secure in themselves because they they need to fill the role of a hero. So it's kind of like a damsel in distress Mm -hmm. with a hero coming to save the day. That's a codependent relationship. Shout out to them that be checking their partner location. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm being real. It's been five minutes. You ain't texting me back. Shout out to those. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. So I realized earlier this year that wow, a lot of my relationships are codependent relationships. It's as if everybody will come to me with their issues all the time. Right. And I've been doing this for decades upon decades. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, I don't really have people that I could come to, not even, or go to, but not even that, people in a lot of my friendships, in my relationships, don't even realize that, yo, I need help too. Right. So that's like, oh man, I gotta make this shift. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the things my therapist told me, he was like, bro, you got to let people in. You got to let people in. I'm like, damn. But I, I I tell people what's going on, but I realize I'm being transparent, not vulnerable, that thing, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, oh, I got to be vulnerable. In real time, people have to know that I'm carrying a heavy weight, that I'm hurting. Man, once I started doing that, my relationship started shifting. I was like, oh, shoot, people are actually there for me. You know, so that's one of the things that I realized that we have been doing for the last two, three years is where we're making New Year's resolutions every single week. Week, yes. So it's like now the New Year coming up is, yeah, I have certain things that I want to do, but it's like, I've been doing it like already. Like my mind is already, my mind is set on that anyway. Yeah. No, that you bring up a great point. And I, I, I think to add to your point is we understand that there's a certain level of momentum that you want to have in life and business and love. And we understand compounding interest, right? So making those small minute steps, which is something it was hard to learn Mm. because with everything we, we think we can jump 10 feet tomorrow, man, I call (laughs) it the Superman syndrome. Superman, right. We can Jumping from building to building. Yeah, literally. And they don't know. It takes one little step at a time. And then you look back and realize how far you've come. There you go. Right? So to your point about the codependency and the realization, right? And understanding that that codependency can actually foster toxic friendships, toxic relationships. One million percent. One million percent. That's exactly what it does. (laughs) Exactly. So... When you started to be vulnerable, creating that two-way street, and you realized, like, what, what was your game plan? I don't want to go too far, but what was your game plan when you realized, okay, I've been receiving energy, I've been giving energy to this person, but I haven't been able to receive from them. So what was your plan of action? Like, what did you do? Did you ghost them? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> Something okay. like But you see, the thing is, there's certain relationships that I knew I couldn't ghost. Mm. With the relationships I knew I could ghost, I ghosted. Gotcha. But even what ghosting does with certain relationships is like, I felt so bad and I felt like I was doing something wrong, Jerry. Mm. I felt like I was doing something wrong, but I knew that I wasn't. It's just my body and my mind responding to a change. It's responding to a way that I've never been and it doesn't like it. So guess what? I'm going to feel as if I'm doing something wrong. Okay. But my better judgment is telling me, no, Jono, you're actually doing the right thing. But Mm. I'll say this last thing before you jump in, but like, sorry, like my wife, I can't can't ghost my wife. That's impossible. That's not Can't leave the booty out there like that. No, no, no. She can't leave the booty out in the street. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I mean? So I I couldn't, I couldn't do that. However, I'm thankful that my wife and I have a very f- strong foundation friendship wise that we can have these conversations. And I'm so thankful because we've gotten to a point mm-hmm. where she doesn't get defensive when I say certain things. Cause, but that's what the codependency is, right? right? You say something to break it and it's like, oh, no. Like, uh, it's, it's bad. But we've gotten to that point where it's like, oh, okay, she's listening. And I've gotten to a point where it's like, I know how to deliver the message in a clearer, more compassionate way. Correct. Correct. So what do you say now? You ghosted, right? And then that friend realized, hey, I haven't heard from Jono in a minute. 
now they're engaging you to say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Is everything okay? Do you take that time to say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I have the capacity for. Do you entertain that conversation to let them know why the ghosting was happening? Man, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Most of the time, it doesn't happen that way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, I know. I'm just talking about there might be one mature person that realizes it. Yeah. um... (sighs) It's, It's hard. I haven't had anyone to realize it in that way. Mm. No, yeah, because, man, that's how strong these relationship patterns are, man. It's crazy. Wow. Because what... Okay, let me give you an example. One person, we're mm. talking every day, texting every day, voice noting every single day. Mm. And I felt like he was draining me. He was. In the midst of me going through so many failed businesses, Safari, the car trying to manage the things with Mexico, trying to manage my own, uh, my own, uh, practice, not, not my practice, like my own family, my marriage, and then working as a therapist. And, um, he was hit me up still, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't respond at all. I just stopped. Like I would have a long, very long delayed response. And I just practice that with everyone now in general, Mm -hmm. because I, I know you, you're the same way as like, you want to respond to people immediately. Yeah. Even though you don't have to, you just feel like the need to do that. Right. So I just practice that with people in general. Now, I try not to respond, to, respond immediately anymore. But with him, I just, I wasn't responding immediately. And then it went to like days of not responding. Yeah. And then after some time, I think he peeped game. He was like, man, you know, you've helped me out so much. You know, let me, I just want to, I don't got much, but I just want to shoot you a couple of dollars, you know, um, so you go out to eat. So I said, ah, he peeped game. Wow. He peeped game. Yep. And then, then after that, then I expressed him. I was like, yeah, you know, I've been going through a lot. So I've been taking a step back from a lot of different people and a lot of different things because I have to really recalibrate. So I said, man, you're probably not going to hear from me for a while. Wow. And that's but what that I told him. That's yeah. a deep. I mean, that shows that his EQ is really like it's there. It's growing. Yeah. For him to even realize that. Yeah. And then you put it in a way where he's not going to take offense to the space. Like you gave an ex, he was like, look, I'm going through, like, you're just not going to hear from me, right? Wow. Even if you take offense, what could I do? And that's my problem. Like, Mm. I've offended so many people in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so conscientious of not offending, but I realize that's a whole nother thing that I got to stop doing. Like, yo. I just got to speak my truth the way that it is. Right. And if you know me, you know how I am. And right. you know we can talk it through. You know my intent is not to whatever. But right. I'm no longer entertaining these insecure relationships. That's the where the codependency comes from. It's like, in order for me to feel good about myself, I have to entertain insecure people so that way that I can feel good about myself just to kind of like fill the hole of my insecurities. Right. And it's like, nah, I can't keep doing that. So even if I do offend you, I definitely don't mean to, but I can't do anything about how you receive something. Mm-hmm. Wow. My mind is, is going so many different places. So how do you, because I feel like you're setting up yourself and other people that are going through similar situations on how to vibrate on a higher level. Yeah. 
It's real. It, it's real. And you realize that not everyone can survive at a higher altitude. Mm-hmm. Right? Some people yeah. can breathe at 5,000 feet. Yeah. It takes yeah. a different endurance yeah. breathing yeah. technique to survive at 10,000 feet. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard, we've heard this before. Not everyone can go with you, right? Yeah. So how do you navigate having that disconnect with certain people going to a different altitude and then also not having survivor's remorse? I mean, for me, it's just exercise and self-compassion because before, well, I'm sorry, I said self-compassion. I mean, compassion. Because before it was like, I'm just like, man, fuck y'all niggas. I got to do what I need to do. You know, right. and here's what I want the audience to understand where that mindset comes from. Right. That mindset comes from, from being abandoned as a kid, being right. neglected. I said, oh, niggas don't care about me. Man, I don't care about I got to do what I got to do. Well, fuck everybody else. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm going to elevate. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to get to where I need to get to. So mm-hmm. I can't worry about you. That's right. right. So that that mindset stems into like, yo, I'm just going to continue doing what I need to. But over time, I realized that, ah. Uh, it's lonely when you're climbing by yourself like that. Right. And you're just going up. One. Two, I realized that just because someone is not going where I want to go doesn't make them less of a person. Yes. Right. It doesn't make them less of a person. It's like, that's not where they are. That's not where they want to go. And even if they say with their mouth, like, oh, that's where I want to go. Maybe they're not ready to take the steps that I'm willing to take. Because right. in the reverse is the same thing where there's somebody else who is going where I want to go, but I'm just not ready to get there yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can't, I can't be judgmental in that way. So mm-hmm. I just kind of let, you know, I let people do their thing. And I had to learn that in my marriage too. It's like, yo, my wife and I, we, we like different things. Yeah. We connect mm-hmm. on a lot of things, but there's different things that we like. She doesn't like, I don't like. And it's like, we got to give each other that space to grow and to mature and to evolve at our own pace. And that's the same thing with other relationships. Right. Like you got to give people the freedom to go at their pace. And like, as I'm climbing, I'm not looking like I'm better than anymore because that person is probably climbing in a way that I'm not climbing, you know, right. climbing a different ladder. They're higher in that ladder than I am. So, and I, I think that's what a lot of people who, are in relationships or want to get in relationships they're scared of because we hear this term, especially people who break up after long-term relationships or divorce, or we grew apart. Yeah. So they're afraid. Single people are afraid to get with someone else and have that happen in their relationship because they think that the codependency, we need to be growing at the same pace, at the same time and the same things at the same level. Yeah. And you're a testament to shows like, no, I can grow at a different pace than my partner, right? But I also have to exercise compassion and have boundaries in place. Boundaries. So that we're not codependent because boundaries are the testament of love, right? Yes, for sure. They build that discipline for self-love because the more love I have for myself, the more capacity of love I will have for my partner. Absolutely. And I, I, I think there's so much out there that people don't understand, especially single people, and they're afraid to go through these nuances, right? Because yeah, it can yeah, be scary. Yeah. yeah. You know, my personal opinion with that, mm-hmm. 
is it's a lot of church people that have this codependent relationship. So when I look mm. at it, the one is one is one, bro. Bro, we gotta be divisible by one. Remember? Yeah, bro. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not healthy because. Well, first let me say that. it's church people and people who have, who experience extreme trauma, like extreme trauma. Okay, trauma, trauma, right? Whereas, like the the let's talk about the church first. The people who are born and raised in church and just have that extreme way of looking at faith and religion mm-hmm. is like okay, that oneness. Oh, when you get together, you're one. But it's like if you practically think about that, there's no way you can be one with someone because you had a whole life. Before that person, let's say at the earliest you get with your partner, let's say 16, high school sweetheart, yeah. 16 years old. You give, you had 16 formidable years before that person. Right. How could you actually be one with that person like that? I think right. you, you have commonalities. Right. And with those commonalities, you have like interests and you build on that. But yet there's still things that are going to be different. Like you and that person are going to be different in so many different ways. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not going to just be one like that. I think what people, when we mistake, when we talk about oneness, I think oneness is more so of like our values. Mm. That's what that's what we're wanting, like our values. Our vision. Our, our There you go. Our vision. Perfect. Because that's the thing with my wife and I, when we got together, we're like, yo, we ain't like the way our families were. Like, my wife grew up in a nuclear family, whole bunch of craziness going on there. You know, the goals. <laughs> I grew up, I didn't have a nuclear family. I was out on my own. Right. So we came together with a vision saying, man, the purpose of this relationship is to change the trajectory of our family tree. Yeah. That was the main purpose. Now, listen, I'm a marriage and family therapist, so I, I, I've seen a lot of couples in my time. And I hear a lot of couples, a lot of couples say, give the same vision, Jerry. Yeah. I hear a lot of couples give the same vision, but for some reason, they're not able to stick to that vision and stay to that commitment. And the reason why is because when you come from a certain background, Mm-hmm. And you experience trauma the way you've experienced it as a child, especially we're talking about Caribbean growing up Haitian, you've experienced a whole boatload of trauma. Right. So now when you're you have this vision, you gotta understand your past, <laughs> your past, your foundation or how you grew up and where you grew up, huh? That thing is a direct opposition to the vision. Yeah. But you're going to start, because yo, suddenly you're going to start thinking, oh man, your partner tripping, they're doing this. Oh, they're not listening. Oh, you're not getting with the program. Oh, we're not making enough money. Oh, and all these things start to come and pile to get in the way of destroying the vision. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that has to be, there has to be something substantial, something concrete, a purpose of the relationship in order to last long. And I'm seeing that now. I've only been in it 13 years. And I'm like, dang. Like, oof, Okay. <laughs> and there's so much so much evolution as a person that I have yo you know me bro I think you know me better than anybody else outside of my wife right. you know the changes I what yeah you definitely changed yo but I there is no way I would last mm-hmm. in this relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. there's no way I could still hold on to the vision bro right if I didn't make these changes and the changes 
It's not New Year's resolution type shit, bro. It's not like, it's not that. Exactly. It's like, yo, like, sometimes I feel like I'm fighting against myself. Yep. That war. <laughs> that, you know, war. war? Man. Oh, yeah. And, and that's this what is I why. Love. That's no, why. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was saying, that's why I loved when Cat Williams told, uh, in an interview, he was like, the worst advice he ever got was never change. Because especially growing up black, right, we feel like they always, you know, when niggas get money, you know, they change. Yeah. Right. And I know I always said this when I was young. I said, nah, from what I see, my experience, all the documentaries I watched, niggas ain't changed when they got money. They became exactly who they were, always were. For sure. <laughs> it's an amplifier. Absolutely. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I mean? So, And that was a lot of, that's a lot of taboo things in relationships is like, oh, that person changed. Or this person changed. And in my mind, it's like, but why didn't you change along with them? Mm. Right? And, and I, I think you were going to touch on that when you were talking about the codependency, the oneness with people who experience extreme trauma. Yes. So, so now, the, the thing about when you experience extreme trauma is what I need our audience to understand. Whatever there's trauma there is a high level of anxiety. Ooh. There's, it's, it's like, but the thing what a lot of us get tricked on is that different personality types will exhibit the anxiety differently. So we can't wow. see it, but it's anxiety. Cool. Like, and that's why I like to go to these four, four postures, flight, fight, freeze, and fawn. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of us have heard of fight and flight. We already kind of know what that is. Like mm-hmm. the fight person is the aggressor. That's Keisha. The, huh? Yeah. I said that's Keisha. Yeah. <laughs> the girl named Keisha. Keisha she always fights. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's, 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 it's the hood rat chick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, like take off the earrings, like, yo, we about to fight. That's yeah. people don't realize that's anxiety. Like, that's that's what that is. That's yeah. how you're dealing with it. Then you got the flight. It's like, ah, the person ain't trying to deal with that. Like, yo, I'm out. I'm gone. Then you mm-hmm. have the freeze, the person that stops in a moment and is like trying to strategize. That's me. Yeah. Trying to strategize. Oh, damn. How do I evade this situation like this? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of how do I evade this situation long term? Not just mm-hmm. this situation, but long term. Fight. Flight. Freeze, and then the fawn is more of the the likable person, the person that's funny, that's like me. you know, yeah, exactly, that's you, like trying to de-escalate the, the situation by being right. everybody's friend, so on and so forth. Yeah, but all of those postures, anxiety is the root of them. Yeah, and the thing about it is, when you experience extreme trauma, the fight, flight, freeze response is going to come strong to keep the anxiety at bay to kind of control the situation. Mm. So now when you get into a relationship, understand that you will be triggered some way, somehow you're going to, your trying, your past trauma is going to be triggered some way. And then now you're going to step into that fight, flight, freeze response. And if you're not aware, if your partner's not aware, you take things personally, you get defensive and then you create a whole web of just chaos of misunderstanding a whole web of emotional infractions. And then that's when you really start to grow apart. That's what people don't, that's when you really grow apart. Uh, So let me ask you, 
triggers. Bang, bang. I think that <laughs> don't draw Morant me now. I think <laughs> I think that there's a big mix misconception with triggers. Even I had to learn this, right? Because sometimes you know, now us millennials, oh, you triggered me. You're triggering me, right? Trigger you trigger me and you toxic. Those you toxic, right? <laughs> and, and let's leave narcissism in 2023 too. Let's not everybody's not narcissistic, right? Like let's 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 chill with yes. that. But we're gonna we're gonna break that down in, in other episodes. Yeah. But I feel like there's two sides to triggering, right? I don't think if you could explain it, people don't understand that you are your partner will trigger you. Someone will trigger you. That does not mean that that person is automatically toxic or narcissistic. Yeah. A trigger is a reminder. It's it's a signal in your body like, oh, I've been here before. Yeah. So if you could talk about what should be the process when you're in a situation either at work or with your partner or with your kid or wherever where you get triggered and how I should how you should work through that trigger. Yeah. So that's a great that's a great question. So what we need to realize is that our triggers are directly connected to our perception and our perspective. Mm. That's what we, okay, so let me let me break it down. So yeah. the perception is how you see things. It's like I have these shades on, right? And these shades, they're giving me a certain vision. Mm-hmm. And once I take the shades off, I'm seeing differently. I see clearer. So all of us understand that our we all have shades on. What mm-hmm. are, and what are what do the shades symbolize? Right? Is 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 a little dark. You can see, right. but you can't really see clearly. What does it symbolize? Yo, you 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 were abandoned. You were neglected. You were physically, emotionally abused. You experienced religious abuse. You grew up in the hood. You grew up in poverty. Like. Uh, poor relationships with parents, siblings, all of those things shape your perception, how you see mm. things. That's the shades. Right. Okay. So now like what you said, which is perfect, like your partner, your friends will trigger you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because everybody has gone through something. Everyone has been through something. And based off of your perception, how you see it, you're going to be triggered. And you're going to be like, oh, shoot, like, but if your knee-jerk reaction is to say, yo, this person is toxic, yo, this person be triggering me, and you put it on that person, you're going to continually find mm-hmm. yourself in relationships where that's going to happen over and over again. Why? Because you're not taking off your shades. You're not taking the time to put your perception to the side mm-hmm. to try to see as objectively as you can. Because then you're able to say like, oh, well, yeah, that person triggered me, but in a lot of situations, that person triggering you has less to do with them and more to do with you and your perception. Mm. But you see, we're not mature enough to understand that. And quite frankly, no one can do that work by themselves. Oh. This is why having a therapist and having solid, a solid group of people around you is very, very important because... You have allowed me to see certain things about myself. And you and the thing about it is, you don't tell me like, ah, John, are you tripping? That's my that's my style. Right. You don't tell me, 
but I see how you say certain things, and I may I may instinctually be like, nah, yeah, that's him, like whatever. But then I practice over time. It's like getting in the gym. I right. practice over time, putting my perception, taking my shades off and putting them on the side to really try to put myself in your shoes. I'm like, oh, that's what you're communicating to me without communicating to me. But right. guess what? It's why a lot of relationships don't last. This is why there are a lot of failed business relationships. This is why there are a lot of friendships that fail. This is why there's a lot of emotional cutoff in families because most people are not trained They've never trained to take their perception off to try to look at a situation objectively. We just automatically say, oh, that person is this. Oh, they triggered me. Oh, they toxic. Oh, they narcissistic. Oh, they this. Oh, they that. No, nigga, you the goddamn problem. You don't realize that? Everywhere you go is you. You mm-hmm. the common denominator. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people, you know, everybody didn't pass fractions. <laughs> Your practice is hard. It's hard. They don't realize you you the one underneath, you the common denominator in every situation. He's like, oh, that person. I was like, damn, you always getting triggered. Everybody yeah. always triggering you. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know how to ask those questions, right? So to for those people, it's like, man, how do I take off that lens? How do I put those shades to the side? Yeah. You have to ask questions that lead you to understand, not lead you to respond. Yeah. Right? What was it that we said the other day? I forgot something that I said the other day about that. Like, you said something. It was like, people don't listen to comprehend. No, they listen, they listen to combat. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's because the problem. Because a lot of people say, we do all the time. You post something on Facebook, people take offense to your post. Yeah, you know yeah. what's on my wall? Yeah. I didn't yeah. go to your page yeah. to post about you. Yeah. I'm talking about my experience. Yeah. <laughs> and then you 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 you're posting you're fighting your opinion yeah. Yeah. on my page. Like yeah. Like yeah. yeah, like you don't make no sense. But here's why. Here but ah, perfect. Mm-hmm. You know why people do that? Yeah. It's something that you said earlier this year. Mm. People associate with their beliefs way too much. Um, That's the problem. Because you have to understand, your experience in life creates your beliefs, Mm -hmm. which as a result, inform your perception. Mm. It's It's a math equation. That's exactly what's happening. So now, people identify with their beliefs so much as if their beliefs are them because that's what they experience. No, that's what you experience. That's not who you are. Right. Your beliefs are not who you are. It's something that we hold on to. We have beliefs. Why? Because one, beliefs, they comfort us. Mm -hmm. They make us feel safe. They make us feel secure. Yeah. That's what beliefs do. Mm -hmm. However, Beliefs are supposed to be changed. If you talk about change, like yeah. new year, new me, yeah. beliefs are supposed to always be updated like your cell phone. Uh. But because we're so married to the comfort of the belief and the experience, we can't get to the next level because we don't want to let go. Why? Because the belief is so comforting. And let me tell you something. Yo, 
that thing is so strong. Yeah. And I'm realizing this for myself now, like talking about growing up being abandoned, no father, no mother, grandmother, barely there. I'm just out here, black sheep of the community, can't do no good, et cetera, et cetera. That yeah. experience, okay, that experience created a belief in my mind that, oh, family will let me down. Family mm-hmm. will not be there for me. So now that becomes my perception on how I see and view family. That becomes my perspective of how I think about family. Yeah. So now what do you think is going to happen when I have my own family? So I can have all the intention that I want. Yo, listen, parents weren't there. I ain't grew up with my siblings. I'll make sure I'm gonna get married to a good woman. I'm gonna have kids. I'm gonna redeem the time. It doesn't, it doesn't matter my intent, Jerry. It doesn't matter my desire. At the end of the day, if I'm holding on to the experience of being abandoned, mm-hmm. that means I'm holding on to the belief of what family is. And that's my perception. That's my perspective. My wife and my kids are going to do things that are going to trigger me. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to want to leave. Self-sabotage. <laughs> Self-sabotage. Wow. At, at its finest. Yeah. Self-sabotage. So now... I have to do a work. And this is why therapy is so impactful. This is why reading is so impactful. But reading is kind of touchy because you can read with your perception oh. and get the wrong stuff. <laughs> you, that's some church people, huh? They get you. <laughs> Yo, you're going to see what you want to see. Correct. So this is why having an outside influence, mm-hmm. someone who is objective, someone who doesn't have any skin in the game, That can help you take off those shades. Because now you give yourself a chance to step into a new being. And honestly, it's not even step into a new being, to be honest. It's really step into the person who you always were, like you said in the beginning. Because this is who I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be a father. I always wanted to be a husband. I always wanted the family. That's what I always wanted. But... The trauma associated with my experience, which is informing my belief, which is shaping my perception and my perspective, is causing me to self-sabotage when I'm triggered. Mm. Well, with that being said, it's time to get some soup, kids. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing else to add to that. I think you broke it down beautifully. You know, I want to wish everyone out there a happy new year. Yeah. Um, We got some fire fire content coming to you guys fire 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 we got some stuff coming to you guys this year we promise we're gonna we're gonna be even better and yeah. bigger than we were last year yeah yes sir man i'm, I'm excited about this year because this there's a this is what i know mm-hmm. man the stuff that we've been through yeah just in the last six months okay yeah. this stuff has been excruciating Mm-hmm. It has been nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. It has been challenging. Mm-hmm. So I know life is about seasons, man. Yeah. Summer, fall, winter, spring. We Correct. were in winter. We've been in winter. We're still in the winter right now. Mm-hmm. Some people don't, I hope people don't get it twisted because we're coming out with these podcast episodes. We're saying all these different things that we good. No, it is actually the opposite. Correct. But there is springtime is coming, bro, and things are going to start to bloom. 
And I feel like it's slowly happening now. So yeah, these, 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 all these episodes, all these epiphanies, all this, this, this knowledge and information that we're dropping is all coming from what's happening in the winter, man. A hundred percent. That's the only guarantee we can give you guys. We went through this shit. <laughs> right. That's what we and we're going through it. Yeah. And we're making it through. And we we just ask that you guys come along with us. Yes, sir. And enjoy the ride. Yes, sir. Happy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, bro. Again, love you, man. Until we pot again. Love you, too. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone. But he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.